on this episode of Pine State Gothic. It just, boom, this big bright light. And at that point, I mean, we covered our heads and it was, you know, that was the end of it for us. She'd put stuff in a certain place and then she'd come back after a weekend and stuff would be moved. And nobody had been home, no dogs. Everybody was out of the house. We have old houses in Maine. I get to wander through a lot of them in my line of work. I sometimes find myself wondering what a house has seen, what it knows, what one might find if they pull back the plaster from a wall. What's hidden in the attic? Is what's hidden a something? Or a someone of some sort? I'm Leah Watkins. On this, the premiere episode of Pine State Gothic, I bring you two stories of hauntings told by the people who experienced them. We start with Melanie, whose childhood home scared off more than one person and continues to torment her mother. I'll let her tell you all about it. My name is Melanie, and the haunting, I suppose, uh, that I am experienced with happened in Montville, Maine. There's multiple experiences that we had uh, in the house that I grew up in. To paint the picture, uh, it's an old cape uh, that my parents had bought and it was an attic room that my parents had finished and just turned into a shared bedroom space for my brother and I. So I had the staircase in the very center of the room, um, you know, the pitched ceilings, and then um, on one of the ceiling angles there was a skylight. So I had my best friend was spending the night one night and my bed at the time, because, you know, you're a teenage girl, you redecorate your room all the time, I had moved it kind of soared towards the center of the room near the stairs. So we were up late, teeing and giggling, whatever, and so it was time to turn the lights out. So I looked at her and I said, all right, close your eyes, I'm going to turn the lights off. We all know if you look at the light, then you're going to just see specks and dots and whatever for however long. So I closed my eyes, because I knew better, and I shut the light off. And I didn't choose to open my eyes again because it was bedtime. Probably seconds after I shut the lights off, I could hear my best friend from the, the flip and fold chair on the floor. Um, I just heard, <laughs> and I could tell she was panicked and I was just like, what? She goes, did you see the light? And I said, what are you talking about? Did you not close your eyes when I turned the light off? She goes, no, the light. 
At this point, I opened my eyes, and it was still pitch black in the room. I don't know, say 10.30 or so at night. I watched for a couple seconds later, and on the other side of the room from where we were, so what would be my brother's side, the best way I could describe it is a orb of light uh, that was probably fist size and then went away. <laughs> and I just remember like, huh, okay. No sooner than we saw that, she jumped in my bed. So we're sitting there like, okay, okay, okay. You know, that just had to have been a figment of both of our imaginations. And then a couple seconds after that, it was closer right above the stairway. And that fist-sized orb, could best I could explain, is it exploded. It just, boom, this big bright light. And at that point, I mean, we covered our heads. And it was, you know, that was the end of it for us. I mean, there was no other, um, <laughs> we weren't waiting to see if there was going to be anything else. But I think that was the biggest thing because, yes, we were roadside, but headlights aren't going to bend over the top of a roof to get inside of an attic uh, in that manner. So for me, that was always one of the biggest, I don't know how to explain what I saw. My now ex-brother-in-law was visiting and they would drive down from Bar Harbor and would not spend the night. They'd leave at 10, 11 o'clock at night. We were outside one night smoking and I had to ask, why don't you guys ever stay? And he looked at the house and pardon my French, he looks at the house and he was like, fuck that fuck place. That place. And, uh, he's, he doesn't know our home, you know, from anywhere in the state other than visiting. And uh, I was just like, well, what do you mean? And he points to the side that was my brother's again, where I would see most of the activity or where we would hear the activity. And he's like, something, something is wrong. And it's, and it's over there. And I just remember like my gut sinking. And this is well into my 20s, you know, so I had grown up in this home. I had dealt with it. My brother and I always knew. And my mom always pretty much just second guessed us. But once we had essentially a stranger confirmed based on feelings that something was wrong with the house, we were very much kind of almost comforted with what we had dealt with as kids. The conjuring where the little girl's toe gets pulled on and she thinks it's her sister. I mean, I never even saw the movie. My ex-husband was telling me about that scene and I instantly started crying. Like, I don't even think the words were out of his mouth before I started crying. And I didn't even realize before it actually hit me that I had been through very similar situations, thinking it was my brother and he was sound asleep. I hated walking around the house. I mean, I had an almost paralyzing fear of being in front of windows when it was dark outside. Just like this constant feeling of being watched in the house. Being in the living room and hearing bangs and bumps upstairs and being the only person in the house. And I remember coming down the stairs, which was built over that corner. I was coming down the stairs and we had just so happened to, you know, kid of the 90s, you know, 80s and 90s, sectional sofas that were in eight miles long were huge. And my mom was always finding new ways to, to set things up. And um, 
had moved the corner piece in that particular corner. And I had come down the stairs and just kind of passed it on the way to the kitchen. And like, I just remember my peripheral vision looking and being like, oh yeah, someone's sitting there. Do, do, do. You know, and like halfway through the kitchen, be like, oh, what? And then I backtrack, and obviously nobody was there, but it's like the more you learn about the house and, you know, positioning of events and everything, it's just so surreal to, to look back and be like, oh, that's probably exactly what that was. We had a, an exchange student one time that was sleeping in the addition, and that poor kid ended up switching homes because he was so afraid of the addition he came out and he barely spoke English and I just remember I was watching TV and he opened the door and just looked at me and he was like torch and I was like I don't I don't I'm sorry what he goes torch light and I was like oh he wants a flashlight so I my stepdad was a cop so I gave him a mag light and that poor kid, it was like some kind of, you know, trippy show going on there. Like that light was flashing every two seconds because the poor kid was hearing something constantly. Um, but yeah, he ended up switching homes. He didn't stay with us for the entire duration. It was just a very busy home. Uh, once my brother and I left, I would say in the last seven years even, which was way after we've left, he started messing. He uh, we've determined, if you will, that it's a gentleman that used to own the home. They've done a lot of re renovations on the home ever since he did. Uh, my parents did the chimney, obviously. That was a, a very active time in the house. Um, there was one day my mom had called me, and I could hear in her voice that she was scared. And she said that she was on the opposite side of the house and she could hear a high whistling and she went into the kitchen and the tea kettle was you know blowing to the top just ready you know and uh, she has a gas stove so it's not some kind of like weird electric spaz and the oven just turned on she's got a gas stove and that sucker was on full blast and I remember her crying and she was shouting to this spirit in the house, she was like, you could have hurt me, why would you do that? I know that my mom has lost her keys for months before, um, all hands on deck with my stepbrother and my stepdad looking for them, and one day she grabbed a coat that she had worn multiple times since losing her keys, and they were the carabiner was clipped to the elbow of her coat. Is it, you know, it was just like, how, like, what, how does that even happen? I know she's come out of the living room before, you know, in the morning. So she comes out of her bedroom, crosses through the living room, and smack dab, like, if you could find a center point of the kitchen is exactly where the toaster was. So, I mean, you have to take that from a center cabinet to get it over into the center of, you know, the floor. And that's where the toaster was sitting, so... They tore down the original barn and actually had found a portrait in the wall um, of the gentleman that used to own the home and I believe built it. Um, so my mom, being the weirdo that she is, had the photo restored and framed and put it in the corner by the chimney. And come to find out, we're told that that's actually where he had died in his chair. Um, 
I do have a picture that I had taken of that corner. And again, there are shadows and lights in there that can't really be explained. I've sent it to Prime, um, and it was enough for them to be interested and inquire about, you know, investigating my mom's house, but it was just never anything she wanted to officially have on record um, that way. So, and I still have an uneasiness, essentially having to get to the point of inebriation of like passing out rather than, oh, I'll just comfortably go to bed. It still doesn't happen and I'm almost 40. It's just funny. I, I couldn't even talk about it for three years, you know, and if I did, I was looked at like I had eight heads. The issue I find with sharing quote-unquote paranormal stories uh, with anybody is that you're always going to have someone that's a non-believer and those non-believers often want to find the holes in your story and, and, and poke through science or, you know, fabricated memories um, due to trauma so you're trying to like put it off on something else or or some, you know, and I'm just like, mm, no, there's, this this happened, and there's plenty of people that experienced it as well. Thank you, Melanie, for sharing your story with us. Up next, another cape, another childhood haunting, but this one crosses generations. April will tell you all about it when Pine State Gothic continues. Pine State Gothic My name is April and this story takes place at a house in Durham, Maine. It happened back in the early 90s. My parents owned this home that we lived in for a while. It was a little Cape Cod, so it had the stairs going up the middle of the house like most Cape Cods do, but it was an open railing until it hit the ceiling. And we had this bulldog that would sit on those stairs and with his face between the rails and just bark at the ceiling and it was always so weird and creepy because he'd only do it towards the dining room and he'd bark at the ceiling he'd be looking in one corner of the room bark 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 and then he'd stop and then he'd move his head like he was definitely looking at something and then bark 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 again and it was always so creepy to sit there and watch him do that and then I'd turn and look behind myself and I'd think my God, what is he seeing? What can't I see? Oh, is it, you know, and I have very vivid imagination. So I just imagine this horrible, awful, ghosty thing up in the ceiling corners and then wonder why it was hanging out in the ceiling corner. That doesn't make any sense. I had actually been gone that winter for a couple of weeks to go visit family out, out in the West Coast. And this is Maine. And in the early 90s, um, you know, and actually probably still kind of true today, not a lot of people locked their doors. And we didn't lock our door. We didn't lock the door to the kitchen from from the breezeway or you know the breezeway door you just walked on in i had been gone for a couple weeks and i came back and all of a sudden we're locking our doors from the breezeway into the house and i'm like so not used to this at one point that i got locked out and had to use like an axe to bust a window to get back into the kitchen i mean it was just it was just so weird to me that we were locking our door 
But mom just said, and I'm, and I'm, when I'm saying, you know, why are we doing this? She's like, well, because um, I saw that special on Geraldo Rivera with the Satanists and with during, you know, late satanic panic. Um, and it really scared me that there are just crazy people out there. So we're locking our door. Okay, fine, whatever. That's winter time. I remember now jump forward. It's summertime and I'm 19 at this point. My parents are gone for two or three weeks and I'm home alone. And, um, we have three cats that are in the house and I'm downstairs watching TV and Durham is pretty rural and the house was, you know, just surrounded by trees. It's pretty isolated. I just remember sitting in the, in the living room and looking out the windows and just thinking how dark it was outside and how I, you know, if somebody was standing out there, I would not be able to see them whatsoever. And so that kind of creeped me out and I'm like, okay, I'm going to bed. I get up, shut off the lights and I know I shut them off because as I was starting to move up the stairs to go upstairs um, to my bedroom, um, one of my cats jumped, ran up the stairs and stopped halfway and laid down. And that was a habit of his to do that um, because then I would stop on the stairs and just kind of crouch down and pet him for a couple minutes. I could see him on the stairs. I shut off the light and he, you know, I, I don't see him anymore. And I'm thinking, oh, great, my luck. I'm just going to, I'm going to go up the stairs and I'm going to step on him and I'm going to fall and break my neck and my parents are going to come home and I'll be dead because that's how I was. <laughs> but I didn't, made it up the stairs, fine, no problem. Walked down the little hallway to my bedroom, went into my room, turned on my light, door just kind of swung shut by itself, but that was typical. So I mess around in my room for a few minutes and then go leave my room to go back down to the um, hallway, which is at the top of the stairs, to go to the bathroom, which is at the top of the stairs. As I walk down the hallway, just happen to glance down the stairs before I turn to go into the bathroom and the living room lights back on. And I'm like, what? And so I walk down the stairs a little bit, kind of creep down and I poke my head down below the ceiling level so I could see into the living room and I look both directions and I'm not seeing anything and you know I'm home alone it's Durham it's dark there's no one around no one's coming home for days I'm just like okay I'm gonna go downstairs and shut off the light and go back to bed but when I got downstairs I'm just like still looking around trying to figure out what it might have been and then I just decided that one of the cats jumped from the back of the couch to hit the wall somehow with their body, slammed into the light and shut the light off. And that's what I'm going to bed with. And so lights off upstairs, going to sleep. Of course, I slept with my bedroom light on and a big knife in the, my headboard. But, you know, I still managed to fall asleep at some point. So that was that. That was it. So after... Um, you know, a few days or whatever it was, my parents finally came home. My mom and I were driving in the car and we had gone out somewhere and we were coming back. And she's a real skeptic, um, doesn't believe in a lot of supernatural stuff or anything like that. So as we're driving along, I'm like, do I tell her? Do I not tell her? Do I tell her? And so finally I said, hey, mom, you know, I've got something to tell you, but you probably won't believe me. So I told her, told her what happened. And when I was finished, she says, you know, April, I probably wouldn't believe you, except for the fact that this happened. And so then she tells me that while I was gone, um, 
on the West Coast earlier that year. They had gone to bed one night, shut the lights off. Their bedroom was also at the top of the stairs or the doorway into it. At one point, she gets up in the middle of the night and goes to the bathroom and looks down the stairs and thought to herself, wow, it's really dark down there. But then goes to the bathroom, goes back to bed. Then at some point later, they're woken up to our bulldog barking in the breezeway. And it's just this big woof, 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 woof happening. Then they realize that they're hearing pounding on the breezeway door into the kitchen. Just, you know, pound, 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 and woof, 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 woof going on. And, you know, whatever time of the night it was, who knows. My stepfather opens the door to go down and see what's going on. And so he opens the door, their bedroom is at the top of the stairs, and my mom's like, the light, the living room light's on, because at some point, the living room light came back on, since she had gone to the bathroom and noticed that it was dark. So at that point, they decide to call the cops. Cops come out, couldn't find anything, couldn't see anybody. No footsteps, no nothing. That's when they decided that they were going to lock the doors. We never really experienced anything major like that in the house after that until I had moved away and then at one point I came back with two small children and we lived with my parents for about a year and that's when things started to seem to pick up again especially for my son he started having night terrors and or what I thought was night terrors and um, I didn't realize it there were two bedrooms The kids had been in one bedroom and I had been in another bedroom. And then I decided that I needed a place to send them. So when I wanted to say, go to your room, they could go to their room and have two different places to go. So they weren't going to their room and then tormenting each other even more. And they were little, they were like three and five. My son, he had his own room at this point and he started having these night terrors. And he'd wake up screaming and crying and, and, and night terrors were like a big thing in the news then. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, you know what's going on? Well, so he asks me for a nightlight and a radio. So I, of course, absolutely. And so I put the nightlight in the radio in his room and all the night terror stuff kind of stops happening. And he stops crying and screaming and yelling and, you know, and okay, I guess that worked. I can't even remember what happened or why, but it was like, I don't know, a month or two later after getting him that stuff. And, you know, he said, Mommy, do you know why I wanted that? And I said, no, why? And he said, because I keep hearing someone saying my name. And I hear people talking. And they keep saying my name. And so that's what apparently he'd been, he'd gotten terrified of, was, was, was that, listening to these voices, apparently, talk to him. And I hadn't told the kids anything about anything that had happened. I mean, he's five years old. Why would I tell a little boy that, you know, ooh, we had something spooky happen in this house? Um, and so then I ended up getting a bunk bed set and moving him back in with his sister into the larger room. And I took the smaller room. I would sit in my in the smaller room in my bed and watch TV. And I would just kind of be sitting so that the the doorway was in my peripheral vision. And as I'm sitting there watching TV, I would see somebody peek around this corner and it was somebody who was definitely taller wasn't a little kid and I and I would get up 
And, and I'd turn and look, of course, and nobody would be there. And I'd get up and go and check, and the kids would be, you know, dead asleep in their beds. It definitely wasn't the kids, and it wasn't my parents. And and there wasn't really any place to hide in this corner because it was really just wall right there. There wasn't there wasn't space for a body to stand there hidden. But I would see this head and face peek around this corner at me in my peripheral vision, and then. And like I said, turn and look and, you know, and check and no one would be there. And that happened until we ended up leaving the house. We always call the ghost peeker because they would peek around corners. My parent, my mom did some testing sometimes like they, they would go off to, they have a boat, had a boat at the time. And they'd go to their boat for the weekend and she'd put stuff in a certain place. And then she'd come back after a weekend and stuff would be moved and nobody had been home. No dogs. Everybody was out of the house. So they, they ended up selling the house. We moved, you know, we moved, the kids and I moved out and then they ended up selling. And, you know, I've gone past that house a few times since then. And I've noticed that after we moved out, it seemed like it sold kind of frequently after that. I don't know what the situation is now. I have often thought about going over there and just knocking on the door, but I never have. I always kind of had this feeling that whatever it was, wanted my parents to know it was there, then wanted me to know it was there. Because we had those two instances happen separately, but mine was definitely not as scary. Like if, if, if I had heard the dog barking and door pounding when I was home alone, I would have just flipped out. I, I definitely got the impression of male and older, but like maybe twenties or something. I don't know. And, and I think maybe just because it, it man, it, it interacted with my kids because they were at the right age, little three and five. Once my son told me that, you know, he'd been hearing voices and stuff, I did kind of, you know, speak to the house and say, you know, it's not cool to scare my kids. As far as the kids go, there really wasn't anything after that. After that, it really just seemed to be mostly the peeking around the corner thing. That was just so weird, just seeing that little, that head just kind of peek around the corner. Thank you again to my contributors, April and Melanie, for trusting me with your stories. This episode featured music by Lobo Loco, QWE. Human Phobia, Mystified, and Chad Crouch. Pine State Gothic is edited and produced by me, Leah Watkins. I want to hear your experiences of the mysterious, magical, mystical, or murderous side of Maine. Seriously. Email me at pinestategothic at gmail.com.